Welcome back to another episode of the Geek Roundtable. This is episode number 56. I am your host, Kenny, and joining me for today's roundtable are my good friends Haley, Jenny, Joe, and Tony. For today's roundtable topic, we're going to be discussing one of my all-time favorite fantasy movies, Legend. I'm not going to say much here because we did have a great discussion. It runs almost an hour, so we're just going to jump on in and take a listen to our roundtable on Legend. Dreams are my speciality. Through dreams, I influence mankind. My dream is of eternity with you. I offer you this rose, princess. My heart, my soul, my love. Love? All right, it's time for our roundtable. And joining me for today's roundtable are my good friends, Jenny. Hello. Tony. Hello. And Joe. Call me the Lord of Darkness. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. (laughs) So it begins. Uh Uh-huh. Well, if you couldn't tell, we're going to be discussing uh, one of my favorite uh, fantasy movies from the 80s called Legend. Uh, Legend is a 1985 American epic dark fantasy adventure film directed by Ridley Scott and starring Tom Cruise, Mia Sarah, Tim Curry, David Bennett, Alice Clayton, Billy Barty, Cork Hobbit, and Annabelle Layon. The film revolves around Jack, a pure being who must stop the Lord of Darkness who plots to cover the world with eternal night. It came out internationally on December 13, 1985. It was released in the U.S. on April 18, 1986. The total running time in the U.S. is 89 minutes, which is kind of short. Internationally, the total running time is 93 minutes. But years later, there was a director's cut that was released, and that's 114 minutes. Ugh. So, don't say, ugh. It was great. Too long. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, maybe, I when opinion it, already. maybe when it comes to legend, less might be more. You know, that's... <laughs> I think we're also dealing with the fact that, like, for decades, I was used to the American release. And mm-hmm. so I just saw this one. And it's almost like, ooh, different, bad. Ah, uh, what is this? But I did like the music a lot more. Yes, that's great. All right. And uh, joining us right this moment is uh, my good friend Haley. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, friends. She had she had a little one, a little goblin she had to put down. and A little oh. goblin with as a in, little... As in lay down to sleep, not put down like, you know, <laughs> oh, like old yeller style. What? <laughs> to go I did not go there, Joe. So. Is, it too, um, is it too early to talk about killing unicorns? <laughs> it's just the right time. <laughs> there's, this, there's this really good babysitter that may or may not be a magical box that... <laughs> As a Elmo or Spider Man, and yes. I just she's she's good. The little the little fairy, um, little Una is eating dinner with Daddy, and so okay, I'm good. ready to talk about unicorn murder. Yay! <laughs> Yay! All right, so um, let's go ahead and discuss. Obviously, Joe mentioned it. There are, or I mentioned it as well. There are several versions of this movie. I like Joe. We saw the American version. That's the one I fell in love with. I, I was a huge fan. I'm a huge fantasy fan. And, you know, back in the early 80s, I'd say we had quite a few fun fantasy movies. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But 
there still there weren't that many. So I clung to every single fantasy movie I can get, like Kroll and like Willow. Mm-hmm. And Legend was also one of those movies that will always forever be one of my all-time favorite fantasy movies. I don't care what Joe says. It will always be. I, I love Legend. <laughs> I'm just not a fan of this director's cut. Okay. And you, that is true because I fell in love with the original. That's yeah. the one that I loved with Tangerine Dream. Mm-hmm. Heck yes. Um, you know, there. I mean, that's that to me was legend. And I didn't know there was a director's cut until it came out on Blu-ray, I mm-hmm. think. And that's when they had two versions. And I was like, what is this theatrical and this director's? So I rewatched. And honestly, I watched them both so many times. I can't tell you which is which. <laughs> so I don't have a clue. If it's on TV, I'll watch it. Love it. Couldn't tell you if it's the original or the director's cut because they all they all blend together. The, the, right. the big tell is that if you're watching the director's cut, it doesn't have the Tangerine Dream soundtrack. It's the Jerry Goldsmith mm-hmm. music. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm. that is that is true. That is the big mm-hmm. big tell. But for me, I mean, it's yeah. an awesome story. Like it's a really fun fairy tale, and yeah. that's what kind of drew me to the movie is the fairy tale aspect and the fact that this movie came out so close to when Nintendo released The Legend of Zelda mm-hmm. for the longest time. And I'm talking like mid 30s. I thought that Legend was either the inspiration or was inspired by the Legend of Zelda. And that's like why we got this movie because like Ridley Scott also influenced uh, Metroid. And so I was like, oh, okay, then this this must be a thing, like an ongoing back and forth. But the, the fact is that no, <laughs> there's no connection between Legend and Zelda at all. They're yeah. just kind of similar in that fairy tale aspect. But no, I, I, I adore that whole thing of this movie that just every, every scene, every shot looks like a page out of like a pop-up storybook. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's go back to when did you guys see this? Did you all see it? Well, I mean, I'm the oldest one here. So I saw it in the theater back in 86. I was 16 years old. So when did you guys first see legend? Jenny? Um, I think I was probably 10 or 11, and I saw it at my babysitter's house. On VHS? Um, on VHS, yeah. I remembered a very different thing <laughs> than when I watched it again recently for this yeah. podcast, but we'll yeah. talk about that. <laughs> I remember but, unicorns yeah. and glitter yeah. and... <laughs> Yeah, it's and then a- I rewatched it as an adult, and I'm like, "Holy moly! Okay, I missed a lot. I missed a lot." Uh, how about you, Joe? Uh, I was kind of like Jenny. I was probably about ten years old. Uh, my father really loved fantasy. He still does. He's still with us. Uh, loves fantasy movies, but he was like, if you looked at his shelf or like movies that he had recorded off of like HBO, we had like Excalibur, Dragon Slayer, uh, yeah. you know, Willow. This was one of them. Crawl. Classic. Uh, yeah. But he just he loved all these movies. And so I grew up with that. And that's what drew me to like the fantasy aspect of Star Wars, that fantasy tale. But yeah, I was probably about 10 years old, saw this on one of those cassettes recorded off of cable mm-hmm. and um, yeah, loved it. And I'm not ashamed to say that at 10 years old, you know, this maybe informed my idea that men can be beautiful, too. Mm. And and I'm yeah. watching this movie again. I'm like, look at hot ass Tom Cruise. Look at you, man. <laughs> yeah, but he you know the, the giant gap in his teeth. This is before he got the look, man. I'm not looking at the gap in his teeth. <laughs> I'm looking at every shot of him. He's like crouched yeah. down with his crotch to the camera. And I'm like, yo, buddy, look at this. I got some singles for you. Here we go. <laughs> no, but, but, 
all kidding aside, like he's a good looking man and not just him though. That performance by Tim Curry is also super sexy. Oh yeah. We'll definitely get into that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Tony, how about you? My uh, mother let me watch this movie a little too young. So uh, it was probably 1987. So I definitely watch it when I was six years old in 1987 wow. Uh, I, I think we had a VHS player at that point in time, and it was actually the first movie I ever saw with Tom Cruise in it. Uh, and so, yeah, mine too. So that that was, uh, but uh, I I watching it again, and I've watched it several times over the years, and I, I watched it again just to prep for this. I watched the uh, U.S. theatrical cut, and uh, um, I, I really am amazed just at the imagery uh, that my mother was okay with me watching this. And I'm also <laughs> amazed that unlike, uh, the never ending story, uh, it did not traumatize me because of all of the, the, uh, uh the scary, you know, uh, um, like, uh, the puppetry and also mm-hmm. the, like the prosthetic makeup was just very, very yeah. scary. And I, uh, you know, I, I'm, I was very young when I saw this and it's always just sort of been in the background of my brain, uh, like, you know the 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 idea of uh, like what I think of it as the devil definitely comes yeah. directly from the characterization. Oh, definitely in this film, yeah. and that that's always just what sticks in my head. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Haley? So uh, I'm a little different than everyone else. I didn't see this movie until I was in college for the first time. I think I was just too little when it came out. But this movie is totally up my alley. Like all the fantasy movies, I remember seeing Willow when I was little, and a lot of the other ones. I had a very dear friend of mine who's a huge movie buff was like, you haven't seen Legend? And he told me, you know, Tim Curry, Tom Cruise. And I was like, no. <laughs> and he, you know, sat me down and he didn't really have to force me. He said Tim Curry is the devil and fantasy yeah. and unicorns. I mean, the cover alone, I think You're he in. actually, if I remember, so this was, you know, we didn't have, there's no Netflix or streaming. We, he went out to like the, that movie movie stop or whatever you can like buy and trade movies and dvds and bought it so we could watch it Mm -hmm. because they didn't have it to rent and um i just remember the cover it was so cool and i believe i had a really i went down a rabbit hole last night because i rewatched it last night i think i've watched both versions but man there's you can go on the amazon and look at like the dvds to buy Mm -hmm. and all the different versions because there's the directors the ultimate the double and there's a like so many people like this one doesn't have the tangerine dream don't buy it and then the other one's like this one so i don't remember the first one that i watched um yeah. i think i did watch like the full version with tangerine dream more than likely um, it was the american that's the, the american well, version think, yeah because yeah. he would have he was a my friend's a huge movie buff and he would make us he would have made us watch the like yeah which is that's the longer one correct that is the shorter no. one that's, oh, the, that's shortest the shorter one. Of okay. them all. American so, is the shorter one. Yeah. So last night I watched it again because I'm like, all right, it's been it's been at least 10 years. I watched it again and I watched a YouTube clip with Tangerine Dream of the epic the mm-hmm. dance scene. I've mm-hmm. already I just saw it and I forgot what they called it. And then I was like looking at mine and I was like rewinding it because I just rented <laughs> it on Prime. I don't have the DVD anymore. It's so long ago. And I'm like, okay, wait, which version? And yeah. there's definitely an extended, there's an extended dance scene in oh, the yeah. full one that they cut it a little short. But actually, it kind of, I liked it better in the shorter one because there was like a pop of green and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have but, a big old long list of all the differences that we made. Oh my to, gosh. I was, I got, point. I felt like I was really. Uh, I went down a rabbit hole last night and I felt nice. like I was doing some hardcore homework <laughs> for, like, for a film studies class because I was trying to figure out. But 
I, I still remember the things that I loved about it, regardless of the version. I, I'm not as attuned to the, to the music, mm-hmm. but like the practical effects and the, the way they make the monsters and the, you know, the characters and the fairies. And I just, the, it does, it, it's like what Joe said, it looks like you're opening a storybook. Like there's like feathers and bits of like glitter. There's so much glitter. So much glitter. And so much magic and all the, just the way they made everything look. It's just, it was just beautiful. Um, yeah. My beautiful biggest thing was watch. all of the fuzz in the air. I felt like you'd get mm-hmm. cancer. There was so much just. <laughs> no, it was fairy. It was fairy. It was fairy dust and fairy it's feathers. Okay. It was all it was, and asbestos. You know. Yeah, yeah that's it, what it looked like. It makes you hallucinate. But I'm that's like, it. I, I'm choking up it's just thinking LSD about it because it was. I mean, it, oh my god, it was just floating in the air, and it was just yeah. horrible. <laughs> It is if you if you do work in production, it is a little bit of a nightmare. Like it's a little uh, cringe-inducing to watch because you're like, oh my god, all that stuff. There's all that stuff <laughs> flying around. Oh my gosh, I hope they got that in the first take because there's no way I want to clean all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fairy oh. feathers, man. Fairy feathers. <laughs> it's crazy. So there are three different versions of the film. The film's conclusion. So this is the conclusion of each version of the film. In the director's cut, Lily wakes with Jack trying to convince her she was merely dreaming, but she's ultimately unconvinced. They confess their love for each other, but realize they live in two different lifestyles, which cause Lily to request continuing merely a platonic relationship. Jack, happy with this, requests for the first time, accepts Lily's return to her home to assume her responsibility, promising to visit him again. Jack happily runs off into the sunset, held by the forest fairies, and revived unicorns. So that's the longest version. That's the director's cut. In the American theatrical version, Jack and Lily assure each other of their love and watch the unicorns reunite and then run off into the sunset together, hailed by the forest fairies and the unicorns. Darkness watches them from the void laughing. And then in the European version, as it ends with both Jack and Lily running off into the sunset, but without darkness's final appearance. So mm-hmm. I do remember the American one, I think, most. Yeah. And that's that's the one I actually kind of prefer, mm-hmm. uh, not just because it has that perfect like storybook ending where like the hero and the, the you know, the damsel in distress run off together. But I kind of like that idea that darkness is still watching them from the void, that like you can't have darkness without the light. You can't have light without the darkness that yeah. like, you know, you could defeat him, but he's never really gone. Yeah, I, I dig that. Okay, so I was like, why is he getting shot into space? What is going on? <laughs> I did not remember that. It's the void. All right, it's the void. It's yeah, the, the void. void. Yeah. Of course it's the void. It's of not just, it's not being shot in his space. <laughs> All right. You know what? It's so funny because I never looked at that with a critical eye at the time because it was the same time where like Superman and like, you know, the the Kryptonians were launched into the negative zone or whatever. And like they flew off the space. Come on, get it right. Uh, I'm sorry. You're the biggest nerd and you don't know that? I'm sorry. Here's here's my card. Let me give you my back. But like there was so much stuff being like shot into voids in space back then when I was a kid that I just kind of like. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, obviously it's the void. But yeah. it's true, Haley. Like looking at it now as an adult, it's like, where the hell is I, he I, going? Yeah, I just didn't remember. I didn't remember a SpaceX launch or anything, and I was like, <laughs> what is happening? I think I'm watching too many, too many Marvel movies, or yeah. there's just a lot. Yeah. yeah, I don't Star Wars. Okay, 
Yeah. I'm glad it's the void. I feel a little, it I was, I was going to comment that I was a little confused <laughs> on my rewatch. So I, I pulled some interesting facts before we really delve into the movie. We'll do some of these and then we can talk about these. Some of these I thought were really, really cool and interesting. I think Tony has the first one here. Yeah, sure. So filming for Legend was interrupted twice. Uh, first by the studio burning to the ground. And secondly, fortunately, Tom Cruise's father passed away in the middle of the shooting. So they had to stop down the shoot there. Yeah. But I remember this being a big deal when the studio burnt down and they lost everything. That's some intense yeah. stuff. It was their it was their forest. All the was it Pinewood Studios? Is where they shot. Yes. It was Universal. Yeah, the so. double double oh seven yep. stage. Yep, yeah, double oh seven. It's one of the wow. biggest fires. One of the biggest studio fires. Hmm. And, and what caused completely it? Completely annihilate. I, I mean, you know, I it was mean, all the all the crap in the air. That's what I was saying. All the, all, fairy, yeah, all all the, fairy all the glitter. <laughs> too much glitter. Blitz yes. got out of control with the unicorn. Yes. <laughs> with this unicorn one. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Joe, you have the next one? Sure. Uh, the face of the goblin Blix, played by Alice Platon, was designed after that of Keith Richards <laughs> of the Rolling Stones, of course. Yeah. Uh, according to Platon, she thought up the idea, which was supported by director Ridley Scott. He then had special makeup effects artist Rob Botton implement the concept. You can see that when you know yeah, that. You oh, for hundred percent. Yeah, if you go back and look at at Blix's face, you're like, oh my god, of course it's Keith Richards. <laughs> yeah, so. I mean, not just not just the 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 foundation of the face, though, but also the way she spoke mm. and and like formed her mouth, formed the words. It was it was very Keith Richards esque. Yeah, that was always I always liked that about her because mm-hmm. because it wasn't she's not human, so it wasn't human. It yeah, was so unhuman yeah. the way that you're right the way she moved her mouth and. Her tongue, and she, it was just so creepy. So, are we saying Keith Richards is not human? Exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> is his heart and soul black? Black as night. Black as black, black as the Thalus Witch. <laughs> I actually did not make the Keith Richards connection. So this is a yeah. I'm a huge go. Rolling Stones fan. So now I don't know now things are going to look different for me. <laughs> or look the same. You never know. That's yeah. True. <laughs> uh, Ginny, you have the next fact here. Jack's armor was made from flattened bottle caps. I thought that was interesting. That is yeah. really cool. That's I, a I, lot I, of flattened bottle caps. Yeah. yeah. I feel bad for that production designer or more probably an an art assistant who's like, guess oh, yeah. what your job is today? You get to flatten all these bottles. It's a bucket right there on the floor. Good that luck. That's a cosplay. That's like a cosplay craft project right there. Yeah. 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 It's cheap. I mean, you know. Haley, yeah. have you ever had to flatten bottle caps? On your costume? No, only only on a few, but <laughs> so don't have to make those anymore. Uh, um, I I have a comment on the I I have to say, why didn't Tom Cruise get pants when he went in that armory? All right, that armor. come on, come they, on. Maybe as the bottle cumbersome. caps, they didn't want to flatten any more they bottle don't... caps on the pants. Yeah. And, because there were a lot of thirsty women and dudes that were watching that movie. My goodness. <laughs> that would have been really just, upset if you put it's some so pants Im- on. It's so impractical. There's so much exposure, gentlemen. It's just, it's a, you're it going into fair play. Well, it's w- just women, like, it's women just like women medieval armor. Yeah, in fantasy, Correct. fantasy so stories. It's why like, not what? make the guy? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I still would think it's very attractive. I just was worried about his safety. He's going into a hot pit of despair, of death and fire and flame, and he's got no pants. Maybe that's why, because it's I so mean, hot. I mean, he reached his hand into lava at one point and didn't I know, see I was face. like, oh, wait, no. I mean, was it, was it lava or was it just fire that was on top of the water? Ah, it was it a cocktail like lava it was, to me. It was, a, <laughs> it was, a it was one of those fancy it cocktails. 
<laughs> oh, God, Haley, I think you have the next fact for yes, us. Yes, I do. So as some of you already know, the composer Jerry Goldsmith's original score was removed by the studio after the first round of test screenings. This was in an effort to appeal to the kids. And I am doing air quotes. Air quotes. Very important. The um, executives commissioned Tangerine Dream to create the replacement. And then until 2002, Goldsmith's original score was heard only with the film's European release, which is really interesting. And I think they mentioned that on the, if you watch the special edition cut, that it yeah. was, they like recovered it. I know a lot of the people that that I've talked to about this, uh, and by a lot, I mean like the two or three people I've talked to since yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, But there's an even split between who prefers like Tangerine Dream and then who prefers the Jerry Goldsmith. I'm one of the people that falls in the Jerry Goldsmith camp. Like I, I liked how that music kind of, it was a little more timeless. Whereas mm -hmm. if I hear Tangerine Dream, not that I hate it, but it definitely locks me into a certain place and time. Yes. Whereas, which uh, I love. Oh, yeah. it's, it's not a bad Tangerine place. I love Tangerine Dream, but I yeah. agree with you, Joe. I think mm -hmm. for Legend, the timelessness of Jerry's uh, soundtrack was better. Was a better mm -hmm. fit. Tangerine Dream just so it felt so weird in that movie, but I liked it. Just kind of liked the music. I thought it was cool, and it was. It was similar to Labyrinth yes. for me because I yes. feel like the the music in Labyrinth is sim ha has that similar yeah. tone. Yeah, yeah, Labyrinth and Never Ending Story. Yeah, they yeah. had a yeah. You gotta appeal to those kids, y'all. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I was watching the uh, last night when I watched rewatched I rewatched the American theatrical release, and I'm glad I did because it, it occurred to me that that for the whenever I rewatched it over the years, I was watching one of the extended cuts because uh, I you know I I didn't realize that uh, you know just how 80s how early 80s that that sounded, and actually I preferred I'm one of the people who, who preferred the Tangerine Dream mm -hmm. soundtrack, and just understanding when the movie was made, like what yeah. you know, I, it really feels very much of its time, and also just you know it's this fantasy movie with you know with 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 the particles in the air and the, and, and <laughs> all all the fairy dust, you know it yeah. just it it really it makes it almost um, I don't know otherworldly in a yeah. way that uh, is is I, I guess less less realistic, I guess, than, than, than the Jerry, the Jerry, less traditional than the Jerry yeah. Goldsmith soundtrack would have been. And I, uh, you know, and also maybe coupled with the fact that I think the studio did do a good job with the American release and paring down the story into its most basic elements to make everything go forward. And adding that musical layer that was very different, I thought, made the movie a little bit better. And it had been probably since I was seven or six since I, I'd seen the original cut, to be honest with you. Yeah. So I, 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 I very much enjoyed it a lot more on my rewatch when I watched the American cut, because I was watching the long one. And honestly, it, it, it can get hard to get through sometimes. I'll be honest with you on, on the longer cut. It gets a little laborious. I, I will absolutely give you that. I do prefer the, uh, the running time of the, of the American release. See, I just like it's more. So I was happy with more. I just, I, I could stay in that world. They could go there and just run around for hours and I'd be content. I mean, fantasy is my ultimate, but beyond science fiction is, fantasy and i love fantasy and this was the pinnacle fantasy movie for me mm -hmm. it had the fairies it had the goblins it had you know a lord of darkness it had the daily i mean, you know what you call jack he was just like a being of, yeah you know, good uh, and uh, it had meg mucklebones it, it had, yeah. oh yeah it, had, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was robert picardo which always yes it was what always shocked me that robert picardo played meg uh, and in the international version meg has a much bigger role than uh in the theatrical version. 
Yeah. Is is the which version is the happy ending version? The, uh, probably the American version. They're both happy uh, endings. I was no, going mean, to say. I'm sorry. Depends, I'm sorry. It depends on your view yeah. of the happy <laughs> which, ending. Which one is where you, they they plug in the unicorn again and then they both walk away together? That's the, that's, <laughs> that's American. the American version. Yeah. Okay. I actually wish I had watched the theatrical version because I well we'll get into it. I watched. I have yeah. Problems. <laughs> <laughs> where they plug I like I like that they I like that they I forgot they plugged him back her or no that was the stallion I thought I forgot they plugged him back in and I was like well now they're all doomed because there's only one unicorn left and then I was like oh but yeah. they do it just goes click and then it's all magic. the lights come back it's well, magic Gump does it Gump is a magical creature who That's you know true. can can go oh I can bring unicorns back to life yep so it works Let's go ahead and talk about darkness, because I think he's probably the biggest draw to this movie. For people who have not seen it and are huge Tim Curry fans, uh, when you tell them that Tim Curry's in it, it doesn't matter what it is, they'll go and watch it. And uh, for me, I think, I mean, let alone the makeup is incredible. His acting is incredible. I didn't find him scary. So, but I was also 16 when I saw it. So I wasn't a, a you know young kid. I was just more fascinated with the makeup and the way he looked and the way he carried himself and the way he spoke. Mm -hmm. uh, Let's be real, Kenny. He was sexy. That's yes. yes that's what I was sexy it was, devil. It was more like, sexy and yeah. more sensual and more just alluring than than evil. Uh, even though he didn't, you know, he was not nice. He wasn't a good person. Oh no, no, no. But, but he was sexy. But it was it was a that different bad boy it was quality. Different kind of bad person, you know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I just want to get your guys' thoughts on darkness yourself how about joe you want to go oh, well i mean look it's not hard to be sexy when the person who plays the devil right before you is george burns <laughs> <laughs> so, so you've got a low bar to clear <laughs> but uh but no i thought this this was such a transformation i mean granted when i first saw this movie i didn't even know who tim curry was mm -hmm. it wasn't until i saw clue a few years later that my father pointed out he's like you see that guy the guy who plays the butler yeah that's the devil in legend and i'm like get get out of here what are you talking about the guy who's in legend is like 12 feet tall what and he's stacked he looks like glenn danzig yeah uh and he's like no that's it's him it's him that plays it i go get, you're out of your mind but then when you start hearing him talk you start catching it you're like wow yeah. it is still to me the definitive representation of like the devil mm. and usually i would just say darkness but this movie does have like some biblical undertones maybe overtones that i i think you it lends more credence to you can just refer to this guy as the devil and mm -hmm. it's such a it's scary it's sexy it's intriguing uh he he puts so much so many layers into his performance while also under so many layers while he's doing his performance it's uh it's amazing and it speaks to the the caliber of this actor who obviously you know just i'm I'm surprised they try to have anybody share a scene with him because he just chews everything up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about you, Jenny? Yes. Uh, I had seen Tim Curry prior to this in The Worst Witch. Does anyone remember that movie? Yes. Anything can happen on Halloween. <laughs> yes. So, um, but yeah, I think watching it as watching it, my rewatch of it, I was like, yeah, this is dang pretty pretty uh sexy here <laughs> and i think one of the reasons that it kind of offsets his evilness was the character of of father his who he was called 
Yeah. And like you, you kind of got that like, okay, oh my God, there's somebody that's even worse than him. Yeah. And then him. Yeah. I always thought father was the devil and that he was just the son of the devil. Yeah. Who, mm. yeah, that's what I wonder. They don't really explain his father. father. They don't really explain it. And it's yeah. just like, uh, so darkness has a dad. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what happened to him? <laughs> but, What's his story? Well, yeah. if it's, I mean, the dad could be Lucifer and then he's a demon. So darkness is. Could be. Yeah. I guess they, yeah, he wants your interpretation. Or it's a, um, a xenomorph. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Sure. I mean, it is sure. Ridley Scott. So yeah, maybe there's a, true. we're going to bring chance. it all in the same world. No, sorry. Okay, so, that was so you're saying, <laughs> much like Prometheus, legend is also in the alien canon. There you hey, go. You, let's I do it. I love it. it. <laughs> How about, uh, Tony, your thoughts on Tim Curry? Well, so I didn't find out until years later that it was Tim Curry who played Darkness because just of how much makeup there was. I, I didn't I didn't realize it, you know. He, uh, and now when you, you listen to the voice, of course, they, they, they altered the voice with uh, whatever analog audio effects they were doing back in the day for that. Uh, so you can hear it. But uh, I remember the first time I found out that that was Tim Curry, I was kind of blown away. I was like, oh, and it, it, it definitely... You know, it, it made a whole heck of a lot of sense, but at the same time, mm-hmm. I, I just thought of the, you know, it was it was it was such a, such a makeup movie that mm-hmm. uh, you know it, it didn't really matter. Uh, well, in my brain, that like the iconic Tim Curry was was doing that, and so you know, it's one of those things that like I may even forget from time to time that that it was Tim Curry who was in Legend, which is which is kind of strange to say, mm-hmm. but it's just because he was un, under so much thick makeup. Um, but uh, you know, overall, yes, similarly. I, uh, you know, it, it definitely like was the became the iconic devil in my brain. You know, mm-hmm. I think I said mm-hmm. that earlier earlier in the podcast. But just that, uh, uh, I mean, he was he was relatable and scary. And the other thing too, uh, the difference between the the American cut and the and the extended editions. Uh, you know, I think actually for the jump scare when you first are supposed to see him in the extended edition, when he, you know, when, when he reaches out of the mirror, it's totally scary because you, you hear his voice, but you never really know who he is. He's always like, I think the, the shots are, are from behind him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when you first see him in, in the, the extended editions, it's like, whoa, and it really kind of just blows you away. But from a story point of view, he's almost the main character of the, of, of the American cut of, of, of the movie. He's the first character that we see. Like we, we, we see the, the scrolly text right in the beginning sure. to sort of mm-hmm. set the stage to explain everything for, 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 for us dumb Americans. And then we, you know, we, 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 we get the scene where he's sending blicks out. And mm-hmm. so, you know, from a, from a, like almost like a writing point of view, he, he is kind of the story. And, and mm-hmm. even in the American cut too, the last thing we see is, is him watching mm-hmm. from, from the void. So he sort of, he starts the movie and he ends the movie. And so, you know, from a, from, from a, traditional you know hero villain sort of thing it, it is problematic you know when mm-hmm. you actually like, like talk about it but uh, uh, i mean clearly he's the bad guy but mm-hmm. i'm not convinced that he isn't the main character of the american cut and it's different in the european cut because it you know it, it is jack's movie because with all the extra time and that and we don't see him we get the traditional villain reveal in yeah. in the in the european cut that we don't get in the american cut and so i don't know i Again, I think that actually makes me like the American cut more because it is so non-traditional in that way, like, like dealing with that anti-hero. In both versions, even if even if it, he isn't the main character, I do think Darkness 
is the most interesting character. Mm. And even though he doesn't go through a traditional character arc, he still goes on a journey, which is, I mean, Jack kind of goes on a journey and Lily kind of goes on a journey. But yeah, it, it seems to me, and maybe because I'm influenced from the previous times watching it, Darkness always seemed to have kind of the more profound story mm. uh, in, in the film. Yeah. Well, I remember reading somewhere that the original title of the film was Legend of Darkness. Mm. And then they shortened it to Legend. Oh. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and that was one of my facts. So whoever oh. Oh. that. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. That's okay. I just stole your naturally facts. Naturally in there. That's good. Um, all right, Haley, how about your thoughts, Tim Curry? So like I said, well, with all the characters in this movie, I, the practical makeup and the mm. design, I mean, the design of his character was incredible. However, I am not with the sexy Satan. I'm not jumping <laughs> on that bandwagon. I'm sorry. I I think because I know Tim Curry is an amazing actor. My first Tim Curry interaction was it. And I stand oh. by, he's still the best Pennywise. Oh, God. Yeah. He is still the best Pennywise, which maybe Pennywise was being darkness because Pennywise can shape. Sh- no, anyways, I'm just being, I'm just really <laughs> going off the. Love it. But I um I I found him very creepy. And last night I was like, this is not okay. You're trying to serve this underage girl alcohol. <laughs> and this is there's so many things wrong with uh, his behavior. But I mean he has darkness. So yeah. uh, I I did I did love that. I love when he steps out of the mirror and it's the cloven hooves. And yeah. the way his glo- oh, his glowing eyes and glowing nails and all the details with his um just the whole way he presents himself. He's yeah. he's an amazing actor and just amazing portrayal of devil or darkness. Yeah. But I, I'm not, nope, not sexy. No, I'm scared of him. Anyways. <laughs> All right. Uh, Joe, let's get back to some interesting facts. Okay. Well, speaking of Tim Curry, uh, he had to wear a large bull-like structure uh, atop his head with three-foot fiberglass horns supported by a harness underneath the makeup. The horns placed a strain on the back of Curry's neck because they extended forward and not straight up. Botten and his crew finally came up with horns that were hollow and lightweight enough. At the end of the day, he spent an hour in a bath in order to liquefy the soluble spirit gum. At one point, Curry got too impatient and claustrophobic and pulled the makeup off too quickly, tearing off his own skin in the process. Ouch. Uh, Director Ridley Scott felt both horrified and sorry for Curry and immediately tried to find an easier way to include his character. Since he didn't want Curry to put more makeup on his torn skin, he shot around Tim for a week. He also realized this could add dramatic buildup for the character and reshot some of the opening scenes this way. The footage of him in the opening of the U.S. theatrical release was the footage he filmed before any of this took place. Mm. Oh, that's, that's with cool. The, uh, the blue hue. Yeah. Yeah. And the like yeah. glowing eyes in the back. And yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. In the European release print, the face of the lead villain darkness, Tim Curry, can't be seen until one hour. I think Tony mentioned this one hour and 30 minutes into this was two thirds through the film before you actually wow. see him. So they definitely changed that in American. Yeah. Jenny. In his commentary on the director's cut, Ridley Scott states that the glasses on the table covered with jewels and treasures as a gift to Princess Lily in Darkness's throne room are still in his possession today. Ooh. Keep some of those props. Yeah, right? I like to imagine Ridley Scott like coming home from a night at work, you know, and like slowly puts them on in the mirror. <laughs> puts, puts horns on his head and then like and the opens the door to his wife and he's like, Crow, we are under the skin, we are one. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, Joe, you do that too well. Uh, Haley, you got the next fact. Well, when it came time to assemble the full director's cut, the original session masters for the Jerry Goldsmith score could not be located. However, Mike Ross Trevor of Hit Factory Studios in London had kept a two-track digital copy mixed down from an A-track session masters, which he knew would be worth preserving. That's air quotes again. I get all the air quotes. (laughs) Most of these tapes contain complete takes, which had to be re-edited from scratch to match the cues in the recut print. Wow. Wow, that is a lot. Uh, a That's lot a lot of work. work. It's a lot of work, but how lucky to have that. Oh, yeah. Tony and I know having the foresight for that guy to keep those. Oh, know. yeah. Especially mm-hmm. then when you don't have all the stuff like on your computer. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Nowadays, everything is digital. Digital. Like, yeah. yeah. You don't 20 have 20 copies it. of it on everyone's computer, but back yeah. then. This is what happens. That's, I mean, there's TV and movies that we no longer have because they yeah. weren't preserved and they're gone now and they will mm-hmm. never be back, you know, um, and it's sad. I mean, there's a whole seasons of Doctor Who that are gone, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, because they just kept recording over them again. They just reused the same film. Oh, that's, that's, that's so insane. That's so sad. It's, it's crazy to think that. But yeah, I like that. Well, that was an interesting fact. Thank goodness, Mike Ross Trevor. Yes. You're a, you. you're a saint. <laughs> Uh, Jenny, you got the next one. With the exception of Tom Cruise and Mia Sarah, all the principal actors and actresses spent several hours every morning having extensive makeup applied. Between eight and 12 prosthetic pieces were applied individually to each face, then made up, molded, and grafted onto the actor's or actress's face so that the prosthetics moved with their muscles. Each person needed three makeup artists working on him or her for an average time of three and a half hours spent applying prosthetics. Out of all the characters, the most challenging one in terms of makeup was darkness. Of course. Yeah. yeah. That is wow. crazy. And Tom Cruise and Mia Sarah are like, oh, That's right. we, they come in three to four hours later like, hey, guys, how you doing? <laughs> Bring Man, a little glitter and they're good to go. to sleep in again? You guys doing okay? <laughs> but you know, they were hired for their faces to begin with. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, faces, throw some glitter. It does pay off because the makeup is incredible. It's the fact yeah. that they Phenomenal. did so many yeah. different components, like they said, it would move mm-hmm. with their muscles. So it actually looks like a face, like a real face. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I mean, I am thankful that they did this because it is incredible. I want to know how long it took the horses to get ready. <laughs> well, you got it. You had horn. Well, you think that? that you think that? that simple. Those horns to their heads. They They're like, sure, boy, stick that on my face. <laughs> <laughs> When you no, see the I, scenes of them like running and playing with each other, I'm like, those things, are, they're trying to get those horns off their head. Like, get this off of me! My cat does the same thing with its collar. Uh, <laughs> you know, actually, it's it's interesting. Respect to the makeup for a second. Uh, yeah. uh, it didn't win the Oscar for best makeup, which makes you wonder, what did? What, yeah, what came out that year? Who, I don't, who, I should look it was that 1985. Up. Who did Yeah, who did it? 80, 86 is when, well, technically 86 is when the movie came out in the U.S. So oh, okay. IMDb, IMDb, yeah. somebody mask because just because oh, mask yeah, that, like, one. Oh, yeah. well, that makes sense. Oh, okay. Yeah, that yeah. does make okay. sense with uh, Eric Stoltz. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know. Jim that's Carrey. one. Character. Oh my god, Jim Carrey! I immediately pictured Jim Carrey, and I was like, 
You know, that green mask looks pretty good. I'm not going to lie. It looks not as good as darkness, but I, I care. That's why yeah, I'm but that's hard. I mean, that, it did look good, but there was just one person. And this yeah. one had like, you know, just 12. Had multiple people. Yeah. This was, you know what? This was a, a political job. Sci-fi, is, sci-fi fantasies never get yeah. the, the Except Lord of the like, Rings. Okay, who, we got this. But not until the third movie this, came out. This that's Peter right. Bogdanovich movie. Okay, Peter Bogdanovich <laughs> is going to get it. Yeah. Let's go back to facts. Tony, you have the next one. Yeah. Uh, so David Bennett was about 18 when he played the boy elf Gump. And Annabelle Lanyon, who played the fairy Una, was about 24. By the way, I thought the scariest character in the piece was Una. Correct. You know, just, just ding, she ding, was ding, so ding, ding. creepy. She was I creepy. Really, so creepy. Yeah. Really was not happy with that situation. <laughs> I, I liked Una. I was like, I, like I definitely Una. don't remember this Una. from when I was a kid. <laughs> But I think I think like even Gump was kind of creepy. Yeah, Gump times. was adorable. Mm. I liked Gump. Okay. Gump has a little bit more of a creep factor in the director's cut. Um, Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, because there's that whole like riddle sequence that they cut out yeah. of the American version, yeah. and it's like, woo! Let's you right now. You're coming in at a 15. Let's take it down <laughs> to about a seven. Yeah, needs more olive glasses, more wine, please. There, yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> Jim Carrey, Johnny Depp, and Robert Downey Jr. were all considered for the role of Jack. Oh, wow. wow! I think if it was uh, Jim Carrey, it would be a very different movie. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I think it'd be different with all of them. But yeah, I could see Robert Downey Jr. doing it. I could see that for yeah. young, sure. Young, young Robert. Even mm-hmm. Johnny Depp, I guess. Yeah, because that would be around the same time as like a, a year or two after Nightmare on Elm Street. Right. So he'd be a good age for that. Yeah. 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 I mean, obviously, I didn't think Tom Cruise, but I didn't know Tom Cruise before Legend. But n- now. I mean, that had back, to be one of his first movies, right? He, it was. He it was had before done, he did Risky Business. He, oh, well, he, did, he had. Yeah, okay. he did Taps in 1981 with yep. uh, Timothy Hutton, which right. I hadn't seen. But I did see The Outsiders. Uh, and I remembered seeing him in The Outsiders in like 1982 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I recognized him from when I first saw this. Right. Oh, this was wait. This was before Risky Business or after? No, after. It was right after Risky. Really? Business. Yeah. He looks. He looks like he's actually fifteen in this movie. He looks like really Risky young. Business. He doesn't. I feel like he looks much older. Yeah. It's the glitter man. It's the glitter. It's the, the glitter. The glitter and the bubbles everywhere. The glitter the takes deal. off ten years. Yeah. And the random fox. If you're holding a fox, it <laughs> automatically <laughs> lowers the age by like, ten years. They put like Vaseline on the lens, yep. so it was always kind of <laughs> a little slightly, softer. Yeah. Yeah. Like season one of RuPaul's Drag Race. There you go. <laughs> For the two uh, people that get that right. It all comes back to the drag race. <laughs> For me, it does. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Uh, let's go with uh, Tony. You have another one here. Yes. So in the scene when Blix, who is played by Alice Platon, is approaching the unicorn to take its horn, the unicorn falling down, in air quotes, is actually footage of the horse standing up shown backwards to make it appear that it's struggling to stay standing. Huh, yeah. It's not bad. It it wasn't a bad effect. Nicer to the horse. I didn't even notice. It worked. Yeah, I had horses growing up, and that would be much easier just to... You don't want to make them fall down. Yeah, Yeah. to have them just get up and not... Yeah. Uh, Haley, you have another uh, fact here. All right. The dress waltz, my favorite scenes, and other dance sequences were choreographed by Arlene Phillips, who is famous for her role as a judge in the BBC series Strictly Come Dancing, that came out in 2004. She is a long-term friend of director Ridley Scott and was once a babysitter for his children. Oh my so gosh, yeah. is Strictly Come Dancing the British BBC answer to... Uh, so you think you can dance? Ba- yeah, I'm Strictly wondering. Strictly Ballroom? I don't know. I don't know. Huh. 
Never heard of it. Never, yeah, I've never heard of it, but obviously it's popular enough. Joe. Yes. Uh, by the time Ridley Scott had finished Blade Runner in 1982, he and William Hjortzberg had a script that was, quote, a lengthy, hugely expensive, and impractical in its size and scope, unquote. They went through it and took out large sections that were secondary to the story. The two men went through 15 script revisions. Yeah. Oh, that, that gives me anxiety. <laughs> just as a writer, just I hate having to do one revision. 15? I'd be like, we need to just not do this. This, <laughs> this story isn't working. And you thought the international uh, story was long. It was too long, right. yeah. Yeah. I will have to say that this fun fact, the part that says lengthly, hugely expensive and impractical in its size and scope is in quotes. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, are you sure they're talking about a but script? The, I was about to, I was going to, I was going to say that at the end of reading it. And I was like, no, I'm better than that. I'm not. No. <laughs> One of us has to be not I should, I should have done it. Uh... I regret my choices. <laughs> This fact makes me wonder, though, where uh, do the parts that they cut live? And oh. could we get more legend I would ideas? love. Oh, I yeah, bet. I yeah, would the, love to see, like, the original script. I bet the backstory of Princess Lily, there's probably a whole There's's sequence with her and her father in the castle and how she doesn't like living True. in the castle and yeah. feels like she belongs among the people and blah, blah, blah. Because we get it in a really, like, rickety expository scene with her and the old woman in the house. Yes. With the, the very like she tries gets to touch frozen. her on the cheek. She's yeah. like, I think of you as a daughter. And then like just kind of like <laughs> just coldly touches her face and is like, bye now. So well, I bet I love, it's that. I also love that our introduction to Lily is like, oh, she's a she's a pure, kind hearted, da 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 da. And the first time you see her, she's like messing up this woman's laundry and oh, yeah. 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 Really in her house. And- and- yeah. Like, uh, okay. Where where's the king and queen? I feel like they would have her on a on a shorter leash. Run a leash. Yes. Running loose and was not seen. They never saw making, any of making out with strange boys in the right. woods. Like, yeah. yeah. And the way this movie ends, where she's like, "I guess I'll see you tomorrow." You know, like, wait, this was just in a day. This was just that's just Tuesday for Princess Lily. Does darkness imply that Lily is pregnant in the European cut? What? Whoa! What? No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't I'm think not it was sure ever it implied I'm, in I'm either not... cut, was it? I yeah, think well, it, well, he does say something like that in the in the director's cut. Yeah, really? So it, I definitely did not see that version. The movie starts off right. You know, they there's they're 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 Tom Cruise and Mia Sarah making out in the woods, and you know, fade to yes. whatever, and then they're still pure beings or whatever. But then later <laughs> on, when Darkness is uh, you know is is trying to seduce Lily, he's like one of the points he makes, which was kind of odd, was like there's you know. There's something growing inside of you. Like he, he, he makes an allusion to, to this and it, it was one line of dialogue. And he's like, no, you know, and, and then the movie continues. But like, I don't know. I, I, I thought I, that was more this the darkness. Yeah, that was her. her. I think it was her soul, like her yeah. losing her soul, like growing evil. Because that's how I, that's yeah. how I interpret it as. But I mean, cause I assume she was a virgin and she was pure to be able to get close to a unicorn. You know, because they don't let just anyone touch them. That's a, uh, so that's my that was my interpretation of it. Um, I never even thought about her. Yeah, I didn't, it didn't cross my mind that I assumed. Yeah, now I have to go back and watch it again. It's about well, what, watching that last night, I, I felt I felt like it was about her her soul and because because yeah. um, both darkness and Gump, he he mentions that it's like something corrupt the soul, or he says something same thing and yeah alluding to the same idea because she touched the unicorn or because she, you know, interfered. Yeah. So that's what I, that's how I interpreted it. 
Yeah, very cool. All right, I have a few more facts, but before we finish this off, I, let's just go really quick. Favorite version of the movie. If you've seen both versions or if you remember, because I mean, for me, it would always be the international because I do like the longer version uh, just because I get more of it. And I thought it tell, told a more cohesive story for me. Not that I disliked the American because I fell in love with that. That's the one that is all my all-time favorite, you know. How about you, Haley? I, I'm going to go with the American version. As we said, that's the one where they are together in the end mm-hmm. and the unicorns back on and everybody's up and running and frolicking and yes yeah. I, I still got confused about the launching into space but now i feel so much better that i talked to all of you <laughs> okay, i felt like there was something in that scene where i was like i think there was like 10 minutes right here or some something else that it cut it cut a little quick for me i was like wait there's something mm. i missed yeah yeah. How about you, Tony? Uh, I like the American version better. I just, uh, you know, it, it, it just moves faster. I, I like the Tangerine Dream. That really did it for me. But uh, it, it, I'll be honest, like, I enjoy watching, you know, high fantasy just in general. The longer cut of Legend is a bit laborious for me to watch, whereas watching the 89-minute long cut, it was like, oh, we, we, we got we got our story. And also, you know, it, it, it was a relative, I mean, it was, it was a small story. You know, mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the day, and and uh, uh, because and it was a legend, you know, a singular legend, and because of all that, I, I liked how it was pared down more in the American version. Okay, Jenny, I have not seen the internet or the director's cut version. Okay, uh, but in the way you were describing it, I think I would have preferred it. It might have something to do with where I am in my life right now, but I love the idea that the in the that in the end they just agreed it wasn't going to work out. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep, and they part ways to meet they're going to meet another day so uh joe okay so i like the american version more um and like i said earlier i think it's because i've watched that one a billion times Mm -hmm. i think for me i'd probably on if i watched the director's cut more i'd probably i'll probably soften up to it but i think it's the whole idea that like i already know where the story's going Mm. why are you taking so long to get there like i (laughs) i I'm, i'm already like five steps ahead of you let's just get to it so i like the uh, the pacing of that American version, yeah. but I do wish that I could get the American version with the Jerry Goldsmith soundtrack mm. and the Mia Sarah singing sequences because mm. it kind of lent itself to that like that fairy tale, the Disney like Snow White and the yeah. Seven Dwarfs kind of thing, but with like a dark twist on it with the mm-hmm. devil and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so for the sake of your question, to give you an honest answer, the American version. Very cool. I bet you there's a version somewhere in someone's attic that's like. The goldsmith is edited over the director, and they they have oh, this I'm other sure loss. Someone, yes, I'm sure. Your yes. version out there somewhere. Too. I bet Mike Ross somewhere. Trevor has it in like a. a chest. <laughs> <laughs> it's in that box with the, when she opens it. It's like yes. a version. It's like it's like Tarantino, like lights. Yeah. <laughs> the gold, yeah. gold, chat, gold box. Uh, all right, so we're gonna finish up the podcast, but we have a few more interesting facts uh, before we say goodbye. So I think I have the next one here. According to Wrigley Scott on his commentary for the film, Tim Curry as Darkness had to wear 18-inch iron frame lifts. Tim stands 5'8". That means with lifts, Darkness stood 7 feet 3 inches. Wow. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Yeah, big difference. That's just not – that's not just makeup. It's like stilt work. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's, incre- that's incredible. 
Yeah. Director Ridley Scott, along with everyone involved with making this movie, has stated multiple times how the director's cut was much more thought-provoking, mainly because it dives into the impurity of humans and their sins. Jack was supposed to be very lustful of Princess Lily from the start, but eventually begins to truly love her. Leader of the forest elves, Gump, is a very angry person. Lily sometimes shows greed throughout this movie, and the sea hag Meg Mucklebones is distracted by her vanity as she is beheaded after admiring her own reflection. After a test screening with mixed positive results, Scott recut this movie to a stereotypical 80s fantasy, hence his recommendation for the director's cut. There you go. Jenny? In the scene where the Lord of Darkness, Tim Curry, is going to kill the unicorn, the hill of rocks that Jack, Tom Cruise, climbs was instead going to be a pile of rotting bodies. The filmmakers decided to quickly make them look like rocks as they felt that they looked too disturbing and grotesque and were deemed unnecessary to the scene. If you look carefully, you can see decaying faces or skulls in the pile. I love that. That's where they drew the line. That's where they drew the line. Too disturbing. Not that opening scene of like a man (laughs) being flayed or whatever's happening there. Oh gosh. (laughs) And then baked into a pie. (laughs) Oh yeah, that was kind of funny though when they cut him out of the pie. That's pretty. (laughs) Haley. Ooh, hold on to your butts for this. Check this out. So scenes that were in the original script but never filmed included Princess Lily's encounter with a, air quote, house brownie, just like the ones in Willow 1988, Lily transforming into a humanoid cat creature, and this is my favorite one, darkness growing huge bat wings during his final battle with Jack. What? A final revelation that Jack is actually immortal and the unicorn taking darkness down after the sun sets. Why didn't that happen? That would have been amazing. That would have been way better. Causing the light trick used to send darkness to his doom fails. Wow. I want the bat wings. I want the unicorn <laughs> impaling. Oh, yes. Just, I want that cabin in the woods scene in this movie with the unicorn impaling darkness. <laughs> impaling somebody. And uh, Jack, <laughs> and Jack being immortal. Interesting. We never then, really know. Then it would have really not worked out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's come on, when it gets. Come on. Yeah. I guess it would have made that make more sense too. Like, hey, look, there's no way this is going to work out. Yeah. Like, I'm immortal. You're 17. <laughs> you know. And what. What I always assumed, I felt like Jack, like we never, like Kenny said, we never know what he's a good being. I felt like he was kind of like a Mowgli, like he was like, he just grew up with the fairies in the forest. Mm-hmm. Like he was an orphan. Yeah. Because he doesn't have like, he doesn't have any ma- he doesn't have ma- pointy wings or. Yeah. But they did in the, at, le- at least in the director's cut version, yeah. they do like have this whole thing about like where Gump is upset that he let a mortal touch the okay. uh, one of the unicorns. And to me, that kind of implied like, but oh, okay, I guess Tom mortal. Cruise is yeah. something so otherworldly. Yeah. You know, if he's okay. not immortal, he's at least not a mortal person. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was always yeah. curious about that. All right, guys. Thank you so much for discussing one of my favorite fantasy movie, Legend. Obviously, we have differing opinions. <laughs> I do strongly suggest that you watch both the American version and the director's cut. I've never seen the international version, but I assume it's it's very similar to the American version. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you get a chance, uh, get the Blu-ray. It has both versions on it. Uh, they're both great. Uh, very entertaining. It's never a bad idea to go back and watch some of these movies with awesome practicals. Just yeah. Oh, yeah. the way these sets and characters live and breathe in their space is just 
Yeah. It, it's so much better than any like you know CG. Like I see stuff for like the new Avatar, the trailer for the new Avatar movie. Mm-hmm. I'm not really excited about that. Yeah. But when I watch this, I'm like, yes, yeah. I'm in this. I, I'm so invested, and I feel like I'm there. It's, it's, it's a, an old trick, but it still works. It works. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Yep. And if you want the full experience, get a shit ton of glitter. <laughs> <laughs> And like a fan in the room to like blow it around while you're watching. And some feathers and bubbles. There you yes. go. Yes. And hold a forest animal. If you have, you know, your cat, you can put him in a fox costume if that's what you got. There you go. Um, any, you know, a, a crow or pit. There's pigeons, so you can lure a pigeon in your house. Oh my gosh. But Haley, I have one question. What does the fox say? Oh, oh God! No. You know I had to. Uh, I had oh, no. to. All right, I'm gonna end Squawk, the podcast. Squawk, no more talk. Thank you guys. Thank for you for joining me. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Yeah, that's it. Ding 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 ding. ding. Oh, <laughs> All right, I hope you guys enjoyed that roundtable. As I said, we had such a fun discussion. The fact that there are three different versions, and we all had our own opinions on different versions, and which we liked better, and what we felt was you know better, was really really cool. And as I've mentioned, this is one of my all-time favorite fantasy movies from the 80s. I feel like it was made for me because it's like an ultimate fantasy movie. And I loved every version of it. They're all fun. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed our podcast. I'd like to thank my co-hosts once again, Haley, Jenny, Joe, and Tony. And of course, I want to thank my amazing listeners for coming back each month and joining us for the roundtable. Until next time, guys, take care. That was the scene in California's Mojave Desert five years ago. Our historic first view of the newcomer's ship. Theirs was a slave ship carrying a quarter million beings bred to adapt and labor in any environment. But they've washed ashore on Earth with no way to get back to where they came from. And in the last five years, the newcomers have become the latest addition to the population of Los Angeles. Alienation, the Newcomers Podcast, is a fan cast devoted to the groundbreaking but short-lived TV series Alienation. This series tackles social issues like racism, bigotry, and intolerance with an alien twist. Each month, we will bring you a podcast dedicated to a single episode. The host will give you their thoughts on the episode, as well as some little-known behind-the-scenes information. So please subscribe to Alienation, the Newcomers Podcast on iTunes, or visit our website at alienationpodcast.com. Attention, attention. Are you a fan of MASH, one of the most groundbreaking television series in history? Then take a listen to the MASH 4077 podcast, where hosts discuss their thoughts episode by episode. They will also share with you some little-known behind-the-scenes information, trivia, and so much more. So come and find them on iTunes by searching MASH 4077 podcast or online at www.mash4077podcast.com. The Geek Roundtable Podcast is a Geeky Fanboy production and has a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives Works 3.0 United States License All Rights Reserved.